Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you the next instalment of Radiance, my ch Fallout fan fiction. I do hope you've been enjoying this little stroll through the Fallout universe that we've been taking together. Gotta be fair, I'm rather enjoying working with Fallout. It's uh, always been a long-term like fandom of mine. I've got to be got to be fair. I've played them ever since the very first game came out, all of many years ago, and I've. I've been addicted, even with Bethesda taking control of the reins and for all their glitches and... Well, I suppose you could call that part of the charm, really, couldn't you? But uh, still, I still enjoy the games. And I do hope you're enjoying the story. So, if you can like, subscribe, leave me feedback on any of the sites, it would uh, be well appreciated. So, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, Welcome to Radiance. Oh, and the usual disclaimer, Fallout owned by Bethesda... Deathclaws owned by Bethesda, robots owned by Bethesda. They're greedy bastards, really, aren't they? I mean, come on, they've got to have some female Deathclaws to spare for the rest of us. But, let's continue. Chapter 8. We'll be coming round the mountain. We need to avoid drifting towards a place called Flagstaff, Gregory said to a rather odd group he'd found himself suddenly a part of. Seven checked his map screen again, looking for this Flagstaff. They were currently stood at the base of a mountain range that, if they successfully navigated, would take them out of what they figured out was the Mojave area, thanks to their new friend Gregory. They all glanced up at the softly spoken and still rather jumpy human. Why? Ven asked curiously. Seven couldn't help but snigger as makeshift backpack the two claws were wearing to carry the food and supplies. The pair looked like a pair of giant pack mules with claws and teeth. It's the heart of the Legion territory. They run a huge section of this area. I doubt they'd take kindly to a runaway slave, a guy in power armour, a robot girl and two death, er, uh, I mean claws, walking through their area. If they don't shoot us on sight, we'll all wind up hunted until they put us in cages. It'll be worse for me because I'm a runaway. They want to make an example of me in front of the other slaves to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'll be lucky just to be castrated. Gregory said, and both Ven and Seven instantly winced, though Visa and Wisp didn't look much better at that. Ven placed a huge hand on Gregory's back, and the man jumped before realising he was just trying to comfort him. So sorry, didn't mean to jump like a flea on a hot tin roof in the desert sun every time you come near me. I'm just still not used to being able to actually, you know, talk with one of your kind, without them, you know, trying to claw my face off or something. He stammered and then huffed a bit, but then nodded. Yes, I can imagine to one of your kind our non-sentient kin can be kind of intimidating. But I don't mean you any harm, Gregory. You've not harmed or insulted us, so you have nothing to fear from us. I truly hope that in time you can understand this, he said, and Seven was actually surprised by the tinge of what sounded like hurt in his gravelly voice. Gregory nodded. I'm trying, Ven. I truly am, but instinct is a hard thing to overwrite, you know. If it's any consolation, it isn't just you guys. Hell, I'd jump if anyone of my own kind comes anywhere near me half the time. After what I've been through, hell, I'd jump at my own shadow these days, because I half expected to have a bloody whip, he said, and Ven growled. You too, huh? He said in a meaningful way that Gregory glanced at him. The Enclave used stuff like that on you too, huh? He said quietly, and then nodded. And worse. 
Hell, I used to use auto turrets and flamethrowers on Seven there. So trust me when I say you're among people who understand your pain, he said, and Gregory smiled softly to himself. I know this sounds wrong, but it's actually something comforting in a way. To know that others can truly understand me, he said, and Ven placed his hand on his back again. And this time Gregory didn't jump. We understand you more than you know, small one, he said, and that made Gregory smile again, which in turn made Ven smile. Seven glanced at Visa, who glanced back at him, and they just shrugged at one another. The mountain trail was not by any means easy going. It was rocky, steep, and in many places loose underfoot. Seven had surprised both himself and Visa when she'd slid on some gravel and he'd caught her. Thanks to his power and armour-enhanced strength, he managed to even keep the large female claw upright. She looked down at him as he held her by the waist, and her scales seemed to change colour. Uh, thank you, Seven, she said, and he nodded, but didn't let go immediately, till he was sure that she had her footing back anyway. She repaid the favour only moments later, when Seven's heavy boots slid forward on the loose rocks, and he very nearly became the first human in history to do a f- successful split in a suit of power armour. That was until a set of huge hands appeared around his steel-covered chest and yanked him upright. Um, thanks, Visa, Seven said as she lifted him and placed him down on his boots again. He was utterly amazed at her power, being able to lift a fully power-armoured human who was carrying both weapons and equipment like he'd aid no more than a doll. Just repaying the debt, a noble claw such as myself always repays back what is owed, Visa said with a slightly haughty note in her voice, lifting her chin and head to take on something of a regal posture. Then just sniggered in the background. Ask her how noble and regal she is after she eats a bad cut of mole rat. Never heard a fart echo before. Ven sniggered behind her, and Visa whirled round to cuff him, but the huge claw was already out of range, hiding behind a rather confused Gregory, who now seemed to have become part of a deathclaw dance competition as the pair danced and weaved around him, trying to avoid and get at each other. Don't tell him things like that, Visa howled, swinging cuffs at her giggling brother. Seven just shook his head and chuckled to himself. Then he looked at Wisp, and the pair just shrugged at one another. At least this walk wasn't through the desolate landscape of the mountains. It wasn't going to be a boring one with these two around. I'm sure if you ask nicely, Seven will let you hold his hand. Those power-armoured gloves of his are big enough to fit. Ven chided, making Visa howl some more, while still swinging more cuffs. Ven darted out from behind the still-confused Gregory and dashed over to hide behind the bigger shield of Seven, and Visa gave chase. But the gravel hadn't finished with all of them yet. Visa slipped forward and tried to correct herself using her tail, which only succeeded in spinning her around 180 degrees. Now she was sliding backwards towards them. Ven dove for cover, but his armour Seven was much slower and couldn't get out of the way. He tried to brace himself with a couple of hundred pounds of sliding death claw does not stop easy as he found out. Sam braced and put out his hands to try and catch her, but the last thing he saw was Visa's tail flick vertically upright, revealing a surprisingly round pair of cheeks as she slammed her hands down in order to try and use her claws like brakes to try and slop her slide. Didn't work, though, and she slammed arse first right into Seven, sending them both flying backwards. Thanks to the armor's incredibly sturdy frame hugging and holding Seven in place, 
He didn't rattle around too much inside the thing, as it crashed back down flat on his back. In front of him was completely pitch black, and when his senses realigned, he couldn't see anything. He could hear Visa groaning from somewhere above him, and he figured he must have just landed on top of him, hence why he couldn't see anything. She must be laid over his visor. You okay? he said, his voice sounding strangely muffled, despite the modulator. There was a deep groan from above him. Ugh, I think so, Visa replied. Wow, Visa, if you were that desperate to try out that thing you saw in that magazine full of naked humans before, you could have at least asked poor Seven to take his armour off first. Ven's giggling voice said, sounding kind of strangely muted. Seven was confused by that statement, and he looked at the room which activated his headlamp manually, and as it burst to life, his heart, and at first he thought, was filled with a sense of confusion. And what he saw. He saw something kind of round and crinkly, surrounded by what appeared to be a perfect triangle of smooth, soft-looking flesh, surrounded by scales. Then closer to the lower part of his face was what appeared to be a scaly kind of slit that was covered in both a retractable flap of scaled flesh that seemed to have been forced back by the base of his helmet respirator valves. Suddenly his entire being seemed to be frozen solid. Directly outside of his visor was the underside of Visa's tail. In fact, if the visor and helmet were not there, it would have been pressed against his face. His blood both burned fiery hot and icy cold all at the same time, once he realised he was staring right into Visa's tail hole, and if her tail hole was against his eyepieces, that meant the thing against the respirator valves was her. Visa let out an ungodly shriek, and seemed to utterly vanish from existence like she'd just been erased from space and time itself. It took the incredibly confused Seven a moment to realise that somehow she'd managed to propel herself vertically upwards in an incredible leap, landing a few feet away with her tail tucked between her legs. Seven's headlamp deactivated automatically as the light sensors kicked in to tell the computer that it was not needed. Seven sat up and looked around himself in confusion, whispers looking between them in surprise. Visa appeared to have utterly changed colour, the scales going so dark that she almost looked black, and Ven was laughing so hard he actually needed to prop himself up on the still rather confused Gregory. What did you see? Visa stammered in a voice that was somehow halfway between incredibly embarrassed and homicidal rage. Seven instantly decided that the truth was not going to be his best friend here, as it would most likely end up in an honour killing. Er, nothing, why? One moment everything was black, and then I asked if you were all right. I heard Ven say something, and then you just vanished, Seven said, trying to sound confused through his modulator helped and covering his true voice tone. Oh, come on now, Seven. Don't be modest. Tell Visa all about how you just got as close as humanly possible to the underside of her tail, and what glorious view she gave you. While you're at it, tell her she's welcome to show it to you again any time you lay down. Ven said before cracking up laughing again. Visa literally looked at him like she was ready to become an orphan and an only child by her own hands. That's when Seven's armoured foot decided it was going to show off his incredible human flexibility by jamming itself royally into his gob again. Honestly, Visa, I didn't see anything, but I'm sure if I had, it would have been just as beautiful and lovely as the rest of you, and utterly nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, if you'd chosen to show them to me... I'm sure I'd have felt damn honoured to see such a noble claw's most sacred treasure. 
he said before his mind caught up and mentally face-palmed as it realised the words that had just tumbled out of his gob again. Everyone stared at him in utter shock and utter surprise as he clambered back to his feet. Every single one of them wore the same exact expression of wide-eyed shock and surprise. Well, except Wisp. But he still imagined a face of it on a metal helmet doing the same thing. Seven was fucked, and he knew it. And he did the only thing he could. He doubled down. What? he said with a shrug. Wow. Never imagined I'd heard a human call a claw beautiful so earnestly before. But just wow, Seven. I'm not even joking this time, Venn said with an actual earnest tone to his voice. Seven's now in a hole of his own making, so he did what he was good at. He doubled down again. What would you prefer, I lie and call her ugly? Who knows, maybe the most of my kind she is, but I don't think so. I can see she's an utterly fine specimen of your kind. Big, strong, graceful. Well, and she's not skating around on gravel anyway. Honestly, having my experiences of what my own kind do, not only to others, but to each other, hell, I'd take one of your kind any day. We may call you monsters, but from what I've seen, humanity fits the bill a whole lot better, wouldn't you agree? He said, trying to diffuse the whole thing with a bit of humour, utterly unaware that his invisible shovel made of words was hard at work, making the hole deeper and deeper. Ven turned around to look at his sister, who seemed to have utterly transformed into a giant oversized schoolgirl all of a sudden. She was twiddling her claws around and around, shifting her weight from constantly from one foot to the other, while her tail bashed about between her legs. She seemed utterly both lost and like she wanted to explode into motion, but was unsure what to do with herself, all while staring at her huge hands. Do, do, do you truly think this way, Seven? Visa stammered suddenly, when he noted that all the venom was gone out of her voice, so he assumed his flattery had worked in calming her down, and breaking her embarrassment and anger. Wouldn't have said it if I didn't. Don't exactly need to lie, do I? He said and Ven suddenly cracked the largest smile Seven had ever seen in his life. Well, I do believe young Seven here has made his feelings on the matter perfectly clear, dear sister. I do believe the humans have a saying that perfectly fits quite well here. The ball is in your court, I believe it goes? He said, and Visa looked suddenly startled, but then just silently nodded. Then without another word, the group continued on their walk. Two claws were surprisingly quiet as they walked, but Seven noticed that the pair of them would glance at him rather a lot. Suddenly Wisp sidled up to him after falling back to catch him at the rear of the column. No Marley, I've said, what in the name of hell are you doing? But then I thought about it, and I kind of came to a realisation. Who in the name of hell am I to judge anyone? I'm a cloud of living gas, floating around inside a stolen robotic body. Hell, Anyone I ever go after is never going to really see the true me, even if I show them said cloud of gas. So I guess I should be congratulating you. It took some serious balls to just come out and say something like that, she said, and Seven glanced at her in confusion. What do you mean? he asked. Well, the way you pretty much confessed your feelings to Visa like that. I mean, Jesus, you really do like to live dangerously, don't you, Seven? I mean, seducing a death claw. Just wow, my friend. Just wow. But hey, not like I'm going to judge you. She's a sentient being, has the same heart, thoughts and feelings that we all do. 
So I guess in the name, in the end of the day, why the hell not? You're a braver person than I am," she said in seven frozen soldiers' armor. "I, I, I seduced her," he stammered. His brain finally managing to interpret the true depth and meaning of those words that had tumbled out of him in the heat of the moment, and his eyes suddenly seeing the edge of the metaphorical hole he dug right up the way above his head. Wisp nodded. Well, those things were pretty romantic words you said to her, and to be fair, were rather lovely. I didn't realise you had something like that in you. I guess some people can truly see beauty in everything around them. So it doesn't just pluck our heartstrings, then you must be made of stone. But by the way she's acting, she keeps looking at you, and certainly say you'd pluck the right one. I just hope you can handle her. That's a whole lot of girl to keep happy right there. I hope you're up for the challenge, champ. Westbred slapping his shoulder, making his armour ring around him. Yeah, yeah, me too, Seven stammered as he realised the two depth of what he got himself into. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say well done. It's good to know that I picked the right guy to break out of that place. We really do need more people in this world who look at it like with eyes like yours. Who knows, if I can find another one like you, who can look like past things like physical appearance... Maybe I can get me one, too, Wisp said playfully, and with that she skipped back to the front of the column, stopping only to pat Visa on the shoulder as she went past. Seven swallowed hard. His mind raced like an engine on full blast as he contemplated the situation. Now, it wasn't he found him Visa unattractive. To his great surprise, that wasn't the case at all. They were more than one thing oddly beautiful at the large female claw. From the way she swished her long tail as she walked, to the way she carried herself with a regal sense of self-assurance and confidence, to the shape of her. She was built like a living tank, sure, with muscles in places that Seven didn't even have places. Not to mention that surprisingly feminine shape to her. A lovely hourglass shape, the way her chest swell seemed to bounce softly as she walked, the incredibly pert round rear that looked like you could bounce a grenade off it. Those powerful long legs that seemed to just go on forever and could most likely crush any man lucky enough to be allowed between them. Even her face was oddly handsome. Seven found himself staring at her back as she walked, infinitely glad that his eyepieces were mirrored so she couldn't see what he was looking at. But he kept asking himself over and over and over again, just what the hell do I do here? But then he came to a sudden and stark realisation. The answer was glaringly simple and bloody obvious at that. Just fucking own it. He had said it. He had said those words to her and now he had done so proudly. To take them back would be the act of a coward and Seven was no coward. Plus another realisation crept in. To do so could probably break her heart and the moya thought caused him more very real pain in his chest. That's when the whole thing just sort of slotted together like somebody threw a box of jigsaw pieces into the air, and by some miracle they all landed in exactly the right place and formed the picture they were supposed to. He really did have feelings for Visa. Fucking strong ones. It was like a slap to the face and an arrow to the heart all at once. Somehow he started looking at her as more than just a death claw. He'd started looking at her as a woman, an odd, strong, powerful and vicious one to be sure, but also grateful Exotic, and above all else, beautiful. Starting to get light, 
We should start thinking about seeking shelter, Ven said, noticing that the glow to the east was starting to get brighter. They'd left the shack in the daytime and travelled right through the evening and night to get as much distance as they could into the mountains, but they would not be out during the daylight as well as they'd be too obvious as a target. Hey, check that out, Wisp said suddenly, and they all looked where she was pointing. Well below them, they noticed three objects circling in the sky above the area where their last battle with the Legion had been. It appeared to be another battle going on right now, as little red streaks shot from the sky into the ground, and Seven suddenly instantly realised they were tracer bullets. It's the fucking Enclave. Those are vertebrates, but what are they fighting? he exclaimed. It's the Legion, Gregory said solemnly, and they all glanced at him. How can you tell? I can't be sure, but it makes sense. We would have sent more hunters when their team didn't return, and your enclave must have had a team or something local when the fight went down. They must have heard it and called in support, and now the two have run into each other, he said, and they glanced at one another. Makes sense to me. Well, as long as they're not fighting us, let them kill the shit out of each other. I say, let's get out of here before day breaks. On this terrain would be almost impossible to track us, Ben said, and the others nodded in agreement. Up there, there's a whole lot of caves. Even if they do make it up here, not only will they have to pick the right one, but they'll be fighting in close confines, Wisp said, and they all nodded and set off at a brisk pace towards the cave network above them. The caves were like a network of natural tunnels that cut their way right through the mountain. Most of them were only small, with the entrances that were too small for the large claws. Couldn't hope to get through them. But there were one or two that they could. Wisp led the way through one such cave, using a powerful headlamp and sensors to scan ahead of them as they entered the pitch blackness. Gregory looked nervous as hell as they walked into the darkness. He was wringing his hands constantly and looking around himself. Ven seemed to notice this and gently patted him on the shoulder, making him nearly jump out of his skin with the first one. Don't worry, Greg. You're in good hands here. Me and my sister will protect you. And if by some miracle something gets past us, they've got to get through Robo-Girl and Tin Man here. Trust me, you don't want to make him mad. We saw him throw an entire tunnel at a pack of feral ghouls. Pretty much turned them inside out with one hit with that power of his, he said reassuringly to the slender human at his side. Gregory looked up at the large male claw and tried to smile a brave smile, but Seven could see easily that he was still pretty scared. Suddenly, out of nowhere, he felt a gentle nudge on his back, a soft clang of metal from his armour. He looked up, noticing Visa appeared to his side also. "'Do not be afraid in here, Seven. I will protect you,' she said softly, but trying to sound confident. This confused Seven, as to be fair, thanks to his power armour, he really hadn't been feeling any kind of fear, as that odd sense of disconnection was still there. It took him a moment, and in some quick hand gesture from Wisp, to realise that she was trying to impress him. Seven found himself feeling quite flattered at this. Um, thanks, Visa. I appreciate it. I'm sure with you around, nothing's going to try and take us on, because who in their right mind wants to tangle with a big, strong claw like you? he said, and caught sight of Wisp miming go-on movements with her hands before what doing appeared what, what her version of a thumbs-up was. He seriously couldn't believe this was happening. 
It's like his life had wound up in some kind of sci-fi romance novel or something. I mean, where else were a non-corporeal girl inside a robot's body going to try and help him romance a seven-and-a-half-foot-tall sentient reptile woman? But it seemed to work, as Visa smiled proudly and puffed out her chest, which really kind of showed off her chest swells to the point that Seven had to force himself not to look because his headlamp was highlighted at what he was looking at. Indeed, I'm glad you can see that, Seven. It shows that what I believed in you was true, that you are both a male of good taste and humility, who knows that it is not only a male that can be strong and do the protecting, but that females are equally as capable in that area. This shows your good character, she said proudly. The group continued on into the caves, until they found what they believed would be a good campsite. It was a large circular hollow, with what appeared to be remnants of human ancestry to it. Straight away, both Wisp and Seven's headlamps picked out cave paintings, like those done by cavemen thousands of years ago. But these appeared to be far more recent. They seemed to depict the bombs falling and destroying everything in a large, fiery apocalypse. Seven spotted something and pointed to it. Hey, look at this. I think this was done by kids, he said, and they all looked at him, and then what he was pointing at. There appeared to be a painting of a large group of small figures, about thirty or so, and two large ones, all blatantly human. Showed two large figures taking the smaller ones into the caves when the bombs were falling. Showed them living in the caves, and the large figures teaching the smaller ones things. Then the large ones seemed to get sick and die, leaving the small ones alone. The small figures then had to fend for themselves. It showed them using the caves and surviving until they got big themselves. And it showed them leaving the caves for what they hoped was a bright future. And then the last picture showed them all walking into the sun. Wow, the war created a whole new caveman-like civilization down here, Wisp said mournfully. I wonder what happened to them. I mean, there's always been nomad tribes around here ever since I can remember. The Legion tries to hunt them down and make them into slaves, and now and then they succeed. But for the most part, they're real good at hiding, Gregory said. Well, they certainly made use of this place. There are two sub-hollows branching off this one. One leads to something kind of like a pool room, which is filled by a natural underground river, creating a kind of natural bath and water source. Yeah, there's basically a natural routine. It's a hole that drops down into the same water source, but much further down and lower than the actual source. So any waste would not only get broken down and filtered out by the rock, take without either tainting the drinking water or bathing water. Smart choice, really, Ven said, appearing out of one of the two natural small tunnels that was branching off the main hollow. Yeah, and by the look of that there, that makes a natural chimney for a fire to be lit and warm the cave without actually filling it full of smoke, Seven said, pointing to a natural indent in the side of the main hollow with the remnants of a fire still set into it. There's more evidence of the dwellers that lived here as well, in the form of old decaying bedding made from animal furs and a variety of grasses that had been left behind when they left. Seven couldn't help feel a slight nostalgia at the scene. It was like very old and some part of primal sense of his brain had resonated with it. Like incredibly distant memories locked within his DNA had come alive at the exposure to this. Like a man with a warrior lineage in his distant past 
who'd never hold, held something like a bow in his life, but the first time picking it up, his body instantly knowing what to do without instruction. A kind of form of highly evolved instinct, if you will. There was a third tunnel that led out from the water hollow, and that they all guessed was this been some kind of escape route if something had somehow found them. They appeared to have made some kind of primitive door to block up both the tunnels, made from rocks with wooden support beams, from which one could be slotted perfectly into the entry tunnel, effectively sealing it, but also acting like a kind of camouflage, as it looked like a rock slide from one side. It was pretty smart, because not only would it get, you'd have to get right up to it to realise the deception, but it could also be used to brace the doorway. It was also pretty heavy, and as Seven moved it, he heard his power armour servos whirring like crazy. He found a whole new respect for the kids who had built this and used it to protect themselves. How's the power level on that battery going, Seven? Wisp asked suddenly as Seven stepped back, dusting his metallic hands off. He glanced at the gauge on his head and found himself rather surprised considering the suit had been in motion pretty much all night and all day. Not even down to three quarters yet. Hell, a gauge is just shy of using five percent of its charge he said, and Wisp nodded her head approvingly. Well, to be fair, it is a nuclear battery. I mean, who in their right mind would think a battery that uses nuclear fusion to produce energy would run out quickly? That's just silly, he said, and Seven nodded in agreement. True, considering the amount of energy that fusion produced, even such a small thing like this should run for absolutely ages. Seven placed the armour behind the door further add to the makeshift of barricade, as the thing could only be pushed into the cave and not pulled out thanks to the two huge large prongs that stuck out either side of the brace. So with the extra weight of the armour adding to it, it would almost be impossible to move now. Seven stretched himself out, raising his arms above his head, and when he relaxed he found Visa gazing at him, and he met her gaze. She quickly looked away before looking back and looking away again doing the equivalent of claw version of Shai. Her brother noticed it as well, and a grin appeared on his face. You know, dear sister, after all that trooping around in the dust, sand and dirt, probably a good idea to make use of that bathing pool, wouldn't you agree? He said his statement seemingly caught Visa off guard, and she nodded. Good, then it's agreed. So you go take a bath first and get your favourite humour to help you out. And then I'll have one myself later, while me, Wisp and Gregory start preparing your meal, he said, and both Visa and Seven's head snapped around to face him, wearing the same shocked look. Then they looked at each other, and then at him again. What? They both stammered in perfect unison, and now Wisp chimed in too. Oh, that's a splendid idea, Ven. I saw some tallow candles in the bathing pool room. I'll go and light them, and these two can have a nice relaxing bath together and Seven can scrub Visa's back, and vice versa. Hey, you've got to take every opportunity that comes your way, right? You wouldn't want to piss fate off when he's offering us such an obvious chance to you. Right? She exclaimed, her voice echoing off the tunnel walls as she ran into the bathing chamber to light the tallow candles. Seven's heart was going a mile a minute. His throat seemed to have closed up on itself, and his senses seemed to be misfiring like an electrical storm was going off in his brain. And by the look of Visa's face... The same thing was happening to her. She looked seriously conflicted, but before either of them could muster up enough brain power to between them to form an argument against it, Whispery appeared, having lit the candles for both himself and Visa. 
and they'd both been grabbed by Ven and Wisp and were both steered into the bathing chamber at the end of the long rock tunnel. And don't come back till every inch of both of you is utterly and thoroughly clean. I mean squeaky clean, Ven said. And with that he vanished, leaving both Visa and Seven stood alone together in the candlelit room. The bathing room was basically a surprisingly deep rock pool fed by what looked like a mini waterfall that ran down the wall of the cave and vented out through another little gully on the other side of it. It wasn't huge, and while either of them could fit comfortably inside it, together they'd both be pressed together at all times, given that Visa was so large. Suddenly the big fiery female claw had gone from large apex predator killing machine to nervous schoolgirl again and was wringing her claws and shifting from one foot to the other again. Well, I, um, uh, this wasn't my idea, but it, um, seems like it would be, uh, a waste of an opportunity to, you know, um, get to know each other. I mean, get clean together. I mean, if you want to, that's it. If, if you don't, that's just fine. I'll just... Visa began to ramble. Seven couldn't help but be utterly enamoured by this. Her complete flippant demeanour and personality was just utterly adorable. It was actually incredibly comforting to know that there were things that utterly rattled the incredibly confident apex predator, just like simple things that seemed due to him. So sucking up his reservations and inhibitions, he decided to take a leap of faith. Plus, if it didn't work, he probably wouldn't live long enough to care about it anyway, as she'd take his head clean off his shoulders with a single swipe of those claws of hers so it wasn't like he was going to be able to regret it. So Seven stepped forward, holding in a deep breath, and placed a very nervous hand on the big female claw's arm, and looked up in the soft candlelight, made it look even scarier than usual, and gave her more kind of grinning demonic skull-like effect. I'd be honoured to take a bath with you, Visa. I mean, how many other humans can say that they got to bathe with a strong, powerful claw such as you? he said in a soft, reassuring voice, to try and reassure and bolster her confidence. You would? Uh, I mean, of course you would. Yes, indeed it is an honour for a human like you to bathe with me, and it is an honour that I, being a noble claw, will grant you seven. So please, disrobe and let us bathe together, Visa said in a voice that sounded like a machine gun on full auto. Seven smiled at Visa's demeanour changed yet again, and he chuckled to himself softly. But then his heart froze. Bathing meant disrobing, and that meant naked. Naked in front of her. Seven swallowed hard, wondering why in the name of hell he was suddenly incredibly nervous. It wasn't like he'd been naked in front of females countless times before. But then he had always been by force. It hadn't been his choice at all. But this one was now different. This was a female he actually liked. Someone he trusted. Someone he was somehow attracted to, and someone whose opinion mattered to him a great deal. So somehow, with her, it made it all different. It was like a little voice in his head was screaming for her approval. Like the mere thought of her being disgusted or disliking what she saw filled him with a complete horror and dread. But Seven sucked it up, and with a deep breath he turned his back to her, and slowly began to remove his clothing piece by piece by piece till there was nothing left to remove, and he stood there as naked as the day he was born. With another incredibly deep breath, he steeled his jangling, afraid nerves, before finally he turned around to face her.
ladies and gentlemen, was chapter 8. Oh, I know I'm a cruel sod for leaving it that way, but hey, it just heightens the anticipation of the next chapter. In fact, I can almost hear the teeth of a certain reader of mine gnashing at this very moment, followed by screaming, followed by cursing, followed by stamping of feet, and the usual joy. But hey, you'll have to wait till next week to find out what's going to happen. So, tune in next time, and if you can like, subscribe, you know, leave me feedback wherever possible on my fanfiction sites, like, for instance, fanfiction.net or archiveofourown.org. Just remember, if you're going to leave uh, feedback this way, please just put podcast in the actual title of the uh, the comment you write, just so I know which one you're actually referencing. Because obviously, I release it a few chapters behind as a text form too. So, if you stick podcast in the title, I know you're up to date. So, until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, see you next time. <laughs>